I'm Will Fulton, and this is Thrillist Explorers. A few weeks ago, I randomly stumbled across a picture of the Pirates of the Caribbean ride at Disney World. The first thing I thought was, hey, I wonder if they ever added an animatronic Johnny Depp onto the ride since I've been there. Why is the rum gone? But the second thing I thought was, I can totally smell the water in this picture. Which is wild, because the last time I was there, I was literally in grade school. So for anyone who has not braved these choppy waters, it kind of smells like old wood soaked in bromide. It's this semi-sweet, fully musty, kind of foggy, highly chlorinated, ultra-nostalgic scent that I could somehow imagine, vividly, after the better part of two decades. But like any millennial, I had to confirm that other people were on the same page as me. So I typed in Pirates of the Caribbean, smell, into my Twitter search bar. And I found out I was definitely not alone. There were, for real, hundreds, if not thousands of people on Twitter talking about remembering that smell, celebrating that smell. There were like four tweets from that same day. Quote, The only reason I want to go to Disneyland is to smell the water in the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. Quote, Nothing boosts my serotonin like the smell of the water on Pirates of the Caribbean. Quote, The best things at Disney. Number one, Space Mountain. Number two, Pirates of the Caribbean water smell. So, you probably get it. And also, side note, they did add a Johnny Depp animatronic in 2006. Welcome to the Caribbean, life. But anyway, we quickly sent out a blast asking people to call into our toll-free travel hotline, 1833-POD-BABY, to see if there were other people who had similar experiences with other smells. I remember stepping off the plane in Hawaii for the first time and just the smell of flowers completely knocking me over the head. I think it's the plumeria flower. It's a very unique smell, and I will always associate it with that trip. Well, when I was little, my parents and I would fly a lot. Um, We have a ton of family out in the Midwest, so we would visit them all the time. And uh, still to this day, when I step onto a jet bridge before boarding a flight, I'm hit with that smell of an airplane. You know what that, it's like a combination of like jet fuel and like coffee and probably like air fresheners. That smell immediately brings me back to when I was young. I'm like holding a Sega Game Gear, boarding a flight. And it's just crazy how that smell can immediately transport me back to back then. And I'm sure that you out there listening can probably think of a smell that transports you back to a time and a place in a way that's shockingly lucid in comparison to the other senses. As you probably know, smell, along with taste, is uniquely linked to memory. 
That's why I'll catch a whiff of an old stone building and remember a church I visited in France. Or I'll walk into a Waffle House and get thrown back to childhood road trips. Or catch some Axe body spray on the sidewalk and remember that I haven't talked to my first college roommate in a few years. It's because most of your senses pass through a middleman to get to your limbic system. But scent travels directly there. And your limbic system incorporates and includes your hippocampus, which plays a major role in memory and emotions. So that's the background of why scent is so strongly tied to your memories. But for us at Homesick, you know, we're able to bring people back to those places through smelling our candles. Lauren LaMagna works for Homesick Candles, a company that has taken all of the sentiments we've covered in this episode and distills it down into a sellable formula. In this case, candles. So currently I'm burning our Florida candle. It has woody notes like the mangroves and it has the Spanish moss green with smooth undertones of vanilla and amber with just a hint of citrus that really helps warm up my space. Homesick candles develop scents meant to evoke the smells of cities around the world and all 50 states, which obviously is not an easy thing to do. So I think Chicago is a really good example of this. You want to capture, you know, florals at the park and of course the fresh water, but something that you might not realize and that you might not think pairs well with that is notes of chocolate. And you get those hints of chocolate from the chocolate factories there. We work with a team of expert perfume chemists, and they really help us break down those layers to make sure that at the end of the day, it smells really good. You know, a lot of people couldn't spend holidays with loved ones. Their vacations were canceled. Their weddings were canceled. So they weren't getting to places physically, but we were able to help them feel like they were there and feel connected and comforted through fragrance. Smells are so important to your own sense of place, wherever you are. But the weird thing is, when you're there in the moment, you don't realize these sensations are things you'll be able to recall a lifetime later. And we don't normally seek out smells like we do views when we travel. People fly from all over the world to see the Grand Canyon, but how many people are lining up to smell the Mississippi River? Smells are incidental. They're just there. They kind of just happen, right? Yeah, because smells are all around us, but we sort of kind of take it for granted, you know? We walk around all in our environment all the time and it's there and you don't sort of really notice it as you sort of go about your business. And then when you go to another country, it's, you do notice it more, at least I do. Tony Giles might sound familiar to longtime listeners. He's a travel writer who has been on the show before. I'm from the far southwest of England in the UK. I'm totally blind from birth and I'm partially deaf or severely deaf in both ears since the age of four or five. I wear digital hearing aids. Since about the age of 1920, I've been traveling independently on my own around the world. At present, I've visited 127 UN countries, um, all 50 US states and I've visited all uh, seven continents of the world, including Antarctica. Tony, what does Antarctica smell like? Antarctica smells of penguin poo, 
lots of penguin poo. Uh, it kind of smelled, the air smells really fresh because obviously there's no chemicals or toxics out there. But the air, the main thing I noticed, the air was so clean and fresh. Um, and you could really breathe in fresh air deeply. And like I say the other thing is penguin poo everywhere. Tony uses his sense of smell a lot more practically than other travelers who maybe have sight. Particularly if I'm looking for a restaurant or food, I will use my sense of smell. And the sense of smell might not take me directly to the door, but it will sort of take me in the right area and then I can ask or a kebab shop or whatever. And, you know, and I'm usually I'm right just by using my sense of smell. He uses it as a source of direction, like for finding a nearby beach. It smells like, oh, salty air, and then the smell of something sweet on the air as well. And I oh, I just follow it, and that will get me to the beach or to the coast. Might meet more people or something. Or to avoid certain things. Like Napoli in Italy or places in Italy, you suddenly smell that bad smell of rubbish on the streets and, oh, Right, it might avoid this street or not walk down this alley. The last time I was in Canada, I remember in Toronto and Montreal, just spent marijuana everywhere because it's been legalized. And especially in Montreal, walking around the sort of tourism, this is absolutely overwhelming. And then it's just sort of a bit uncomfortable in the end because there's too much of it. And on the flip side of that, certain smells actually bring him a sense of calm while traveling. He actually seeks out the smell of coffee shops because he knows people will be hanging out in there and it's a great place to ask for directions. I remember it's like going to a coffee shop and it smelled a really nice smell of coffee and oh, this feels, this would be a sort of nice, comfortable place to relax. You walk in the day, you can smell coffee shops. And go, oh, that's a good kind of place to go and ask people for direction, things like that. And he, like everyone else, experiences new places, new cultures, through smell. I remember the first time I landed in Bangkok and it was overwhelming, the amount of exhaust fumes in the air and, and then you get to sort of into the center of Bangkok and you notice more the, the smells of spices in the markets and uh, different fruits and stuff. And I remember the first time I went to Indonesia, I stayed with a local guy and took me to the market. So he totally can, touched all those fruits and we went to the what is this smell? It stinks. He said, oh yeah, that's this uh, fruit, it's called a uh, durian. And apparently it's so strong that it's, you're not allowed to travel with it on, a, on the buses in Singapore and Indonesia. It doesn't taste so bad, it's quite sweet. I think New Orleans was a, a real mixture of smell the first time I went particularly on Bourbon Street, the aroma of alcohol, bar, and the smell of liquor and, and alcohol on the street, mingled in with the humidity, perfume coming off the river, if you call it that, and occasion cooking, and it got spicier, like headed deeper into bourbon. Um, and I remember that mixture and that combination uh, was quite interesting as a 21, 22-year-old. So Tony, do you have any advice for me if I maybe wanted to try and be more cognizant of smells while I travel, observe them more? I mean, is that a weird question to ask you? Probably. People always ask me, oh, if you're blind, are your other senses better or stronger? Well, they're no different to you. It's just I worked at them all the time. So they're like muscles. Your senses are just, you know, if you exercise your muscles, they become stronger. 
And I think it's the same with senses. Just try to be aware of it, maybe. Try to sort of think about it more. Um, Open your nose, I suppose. After thinking about all this and talking to Tony, I really wanted to find a resource or a guide that would help me think more about the smells I encounter in the wild. To categorize them, make sense of them, catalog them, and above all else, share them. Starting right here in my own extremely pungent city, New York. Luckily, I found a person who knows exactly how to do that. So what I wanted to do, what I set out to do, was really to say, okay, can I record, can I find a way of recording smells in a city? Then can I translate that into some sort of visual representation to enable people to understand what it might be like to be walking through that? And does that work as a way that other people can then imagine smells? Because we can't yet digitally record and convey in the same way. So really, I call it a flicker for smell is kind of what I'm trying to do. Dr. Kate McLean is an artist and designer who got her PhD exploring the intersection of sensory information, in this case, smell, and cartography, which is map making. She started out by making literal maps that you can smell, which I love as I am dying for a scratch and sniff travel guide. So with the Paris smell map, what I was doing was I was looking at trying to find out some of the distinctive smells of Paris, and I recreated them and I made them as a map that you could smell. So it was an exhibition with a whole load of little bottles on different points on a board, and you could go around and smell it. And that's when I started to think about creating a symbol for different types of smells. And this led her to creating a visual representation of smell on a map. When you see her sensory maps, they look almost like a diagram of mini earthquake zones. You see words like coffee, flowers, or garbage with dedicated colors. They're smell zones radiating out from a central point, giving you an approximate idea of what you'll smell as you walk through the streets of any given city. She started with her own hometown of Edinburgh, Scotland. The process originally was talk to people, the odd people that were local that I knew, and I'd say to them, can you give me a distinctive Edinburgh smell? And so I I spoke to about 15 different people. They each gave me a sort of like distinctive Edinburgh smell. I then looked at a map of the city. I walked around the city. I figured out where those smells might emanate from. And then from that, I wanted to convey the idea that with something like the brewery in Edinburgh, I could smell it from where the beer was being brewed, but I could also smell it when I went for a run three miles the other side of the city. It was moved by the wind and it carried itself across the city. So I wanted it to be a sort of like lightweight ephemeral cloud that you could imagine moving. And then the process morphed and changed and it started to involve more and more people. And I developed the idea of the smell walk as a frame for collecting data from local people. And it's the people who know their cities that are at the heart of this work. And it's their stories and their narrative and their smells that come into the maps. 
In cities all over the world, she's gathered willing volunteers to walk around with her, recording smells, and helping plot them via her mapping method. I mean, if you take something like the Singapore map, I think I had a couple of hundred smell walkers, each of whom wrote down at least 12 different smells of note on their walks around the city. I also get them to think about the intensity of the smell and how long it seems to last. But it's important to note, the kinds of smells recorded on these walks can be way more abstract than flowers or donuts. I really enjoyed Singapore because it's rich in a completely different set of smells. Also there, it had some of the best descriptions that I've ever sort of come across from people that did smell walks. So Singapore has the smell of a hard life, which I think is a beautiful, beautiful description for an amalgam of smells. And it also had the smell of broccoli and deep dark secrets, which again, I just find mesmerizing. In order to convey the idea of smells on a map, if you are trying to communicate them, it involves imagination on the part of the recipient or the map reader. And I think that in order to conjure imagination, you have to have this sort of like willing suspension of disbelief in there something somewhere, and you have to have a magical quality to it. Obviously, I needed to create my own smell map of my own proverbial backyard. We're going to take a quick break, but when we get back, the olfactory highs and major lows of making a smell map of New York City. Stick around. Okay, we are out uh, somewhere in Manhattan. Keller, you have a blindfold on. You came here via car, Mm -hmm. (laughs) so you've seen nothing. Um, Open up your nose. What do you smell? Just by smell... I smell your breath. (laughs) My partner Keller has lived in New York for about a decade. I asked her to wear a blindfold and an Uber dropped us off in the middle of Manhattan. Careful. (laughs) I can't see. I know, I know, I know. She was challenged with figuring out what neighborhood we were in just by smelling it. I smelled a cigarette for a second. Well, that could be anywhere. I got something sweet. Okay. Kind of licorice-y. Okay. I keep getting like ice cream. I smell like olive oil. <laughs> yeah. For real. Yeah. yeah, like a plate of olive oil okay. at, at an Italian restaurant. With bread. That's a pretty good guess. Actually. All right, come on. Oh I'm yeah. Really? Oh, wait, there it is. Yeah, that's pizza. That's definitely pizza. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Yum. Mm -hmm. Do you smell the cigar? Mm Mm-hmm. Tell you what, there's a cigar store right there. Dude, it's a... Really? Yep. I honestly smell cigars. Okay, cool. Let's keep going. (laughs) Cigar store. Okay. And pizza. Cigar store, pizza. Okay, the cigar is, like, intense. Mm Mm-hmm. Sugar, ice creamy... Cigars and pizza. So I feel like we're in Little Italy. You think so? Cigars and pizza? And then maybe I've been smelling gelato. Cannoli? Intermittently. Am I right? That's your final answer. Plus, I'm hearing a lot of Italian. 
Let's not discount the other senses. <laughs> yeah, we are. We are a little late. Here, we can take this off. There you go. Nice. On Mulberry. Nice. You did it. Keller's nose passed the test, and we pivoted into taking our own version of Kate's smell walk, following her three-part rubric designed to record about a dozen smells in a one-mile radius. The first part consists of pretty much how we started out, just walking around and letting the smells hit you. I call it smell catching. So you walk around, you're breathing normally. If a smell crosses your nose, you breathe in more deeply and you see how much of that smell that you can actually catch and take up to your olfactory receptors. And then you quickly name it and give it an intensity rating and a duration. Dry cleaning, you can smell the steam a little bit. Hmm. And the other thing too is you can smell a ton of uh, Christmas trees yeah. on the street, which is a seasonal thing. Dead Christmas trees for sure. Yeah. So if you try in sort of like 10 minutes to note down four or five smells that you've got using that method, what you're doing there is you're looking at smell or you're understanding smell as being something that can come from a long distance away and still has enough concentration in parts per molecule to actually generate a response in you. I'm smelling things I can't identify. Well, that's the whole point. If you can't identify something, what memories does it stir up in you? If it, you can even be abstract. Hmm. That's part of it. For me, it's kind of like exhausts and cigarettes and dead leaves. It reminds me of being a teenager in high school. <laughs> I'm getting a lot of cigarettes, yeah. Hmm. The dead leaves mixed with car exhaust and shitty cigarettes. To smells remind. like New Jersey. It smells like New Jersey in, <laughs> during my high school years. And then strategy number two is to smell hunt and use your other senses to pick things that might be really interesting. And you see a brightly coloured flower and you might go and sniff really close to that. And one thing that I think is kind of interesting right now is like all of these places, these restaurants have outdoor situations with different plants and flowers and stuff. Yeah. So I'm going to get up close. It smells some of this stuff. What's it smell like to you? Kind of reminds me of being inside of a Lowe's home improvement store. <laughs> In the garden section. Like just generic flower? Yeah. Big box flowers? Big box flowers at the Home Depot. So the next part is smell hunting. Picking up plants, leaning into doorways, actively seeking out smells or smells you know are there that you just want to investigate further. Like the luxury gym slash juice bar right next to the Thrillist offices, which we passed on our smell walk. Okay, this is a smell that we definitely know. We definitely know that smell. What is it? Well, it's Equinox, but it's also the juice shop at the bottom of Equinox where, where I used to have breaks from work. Even though we've been here and smelled this smell a million times, this is the first time we've actually tried to define it. It's like a weird pastiche of fresh eucalyptus, laundry detergent, fruit, and 
designer cologne. What would you rate this smell in terms of uh, potency, one to seven scale? It's very potent. Right. It's the mix. And very specific. It's the mix of the juice generation, the equinox. Uh huh. Kind of minty. Minty fresh. A little bit of sewer. Right. <laughs> and for each smell, you mark the potency from one to seven, seven being the highest. So the smells like the cigar store and this mixture gym slash juice bar hit the scales at a very hearty six. Naturally, we also stuck our noses over a subway entrance. Really does have a specific smell. And that's actually, it's a temporary smell, which is something that you mark on our smell list. It smells kind of damp and woody. Woody, dusty, yeah. like flakes off a cinder block. And damp. And damp. <laughs> you gotta love this town, so many smells. Wait, I have glue too. Okay, it's from this glue. It's from this open. I got glue. Like industrial building, like wood glue. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Definitely. Maybe someone's sniffing glue around here. I don't know. Got a definite glue smell. That's like a solid five out of seven on the smell scale. As does the construction line in Crosby Street in Soho. Yikes. You smell that? It's also like a blast of warmth too. It's so warm around there. What does that smell like to you? Uh. <laughs> I smell like cleaning fluid, cleaner. Definitely kind of a dank old urine smell. Yeah, it's not my favorite, really. Let's move on. <laughs> and of course, we had to sniff the entrance of our favorite dive bar. This is a place you know well. It has dive bar smell, <laughs> even outside of it. What? Old beer, old wood people that have been in there maybe since 7 a.m. this morning. Eight, eight, yeah. It's very specific. Very specific. It really takes me back. This is like a seven out of seven. In my 20s. Seven out of seven on the smell. And this is out on Houses Street too. Love you, Milano's. So are the smells that you're coming across ones that you'd expect to find? Is it reinforced by your other senses? And then you start to build this olfactory picture of the city that you could then, if you wanted to, visualize or stick pushpins on a Google map and say, hi, this is what my city smells like. The last part in this process was seeking out smells in particular in a specific category. I opted for trash cans because I thought it would be the most interesting thing. All right, this one smells like uh, bananas and cupcakes. Okay, I think right here we have vodka and bubblicious chewing gum. This garbage uh, actually kind of smells like roses. That's not bad at all. I've been in this neighborhood almost every day of my life for the past 10 years, spare the occasional pandemic, of course. And that's why I picked it. I knew what it sounded like, I could picture what it looked like, but I honestly never really stopped to consider what it smelled like. And so I spent the next few days sniffing my city. All right, right outside Belvedere Castle in Central Park. It smells like roasting nuts and a little bit of algae. Park Avenue. 
Smells like billionaires and oak. Down in Chinatown. Definitely, definitely smells like a fish market. Probably because I am in between two fish markets. East Village, St. Mark Street. All I smell is weed. It just smells like weed. Outside Penn Station, smells like pee. Nice. Travel is all about experiencing the new and the novel. And especially during a pandemic that has unfortunately robbed some people of their sense of smell, it might be time for you to start thinking more about smelling the world around you. The good, the bad, and the garbage. I promise you, it's all worth it. Oh God, okay, this trash really smells. I regret <laughs> sticking my nose in there. This show is produced by myself and Mia Fask, edited and mixed by the otherworldly Dean White and Abby Austria. Special thanks to all of my bosses, Jim D'Amico, Megan Kirsch, Brett Kushner, and Emily Feld. That's it for us. Put your tray tables up, leave your shoes on, and we'll see you next week. Bye.